Hey now, everybody. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number eight. Thank you for going to the website, sunspotscomics.com, every so often and looking at it. It's going to be changing very soon. Got to give a shout out to Marty and Rose. They're making some prototypes. That's all I can really say is that there will be some products that we're going to be showcasing on sunspotscomics.com very soon. So every so often, put your eyeballs on it. And also thanks for following us on Instagram and Twitter at sunspotscomics.com. So thank you. Gracias. We appreciate. So we have a busload, a truckload, a bushel, a gaggle of things to go over in this show. We're going to talk about some comic book movie news. We're going to open the, click open the file on artificial intelligence, open the vault, take a quick dip into there. Then we're going to go and step into the anchor chair, turn on the teleprompter and discuss some comic book news headlines. We have five quick comic book feel-good factoid freebies. We're going to have some spider sense tingling towards the end there. It's just going to tingle, I know it. And then we've got a dedication, a little memoriam, if you will, towards the end. Then we, of course, wrap it up with my favorite portion, which is the top five comic books of June 24th, Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, NCBD. The top five are good. It was tough to pick the top five again, but these ones just stood right out. Image kind of takes three of the five, so hats off to Image Comics. So let's get the show started, shall we? Oh, we shall. But first off, spoiler alert. These are new comic books that come out on June 24th. I read them all. I review them. I try not to give away the whole ending. I do give gists, nuggets, good nuggets. Uh, so just be warned. Ring the bell now. You hear the bell. It's ringing like crazy. Spoiler alert. Okay? So we got that out of the way. Okay, so top of the show, we'll go right into a Sunspots Minute. I was talking to my mother, Sandra. I went to her house, visited her randomly, and she even gave me a mic, which is cool, so I decided just to plug it in, try it with my adapter, see how it worked right into the iPhone, and the sound was pretty good. And I didn't plan anything, didn't write any questions down, and we talked for about eight minutes. I asked her to kind of share an awesome story. She gave me like three or four. So here's one of the founding fathers, mothers of the Sunspots, my mom, Sandra. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. This is Chris Latori, and I'm standing here in my mother's house, where I'm standing and looking at her collage of Sunspots clippings from all the little openings they did for guys like Sammy Davis Jr. and Bob Hope. And I'm looking at all the 45 records just for a moment by the Sunspots. One-sided love affair sung by my mother. I love that song. Ikao, that one Hawaiian Filipino wedding song. Just awesome stuff and all these cool clippings and articles that I've, I've read all of them, I think, at one point or another. They made me some of these collages. They're, they're in my house, too. Actually, right now in my garage. Well, I'm standing here with my mother, Sandra Kerr, and we're in her living room right now. And how you doing there, Mom? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm excellent. It's a little warm in your house right now. What's happening? It's hotter than hell. What do you think about warm? It's hot! <laughs> so... The last um, Sunspots Comics uh, episode issue of my podcast, issue number six, I spoke to my dad, Roger Latori. We talked for five minutes about Michelle, my cousin, who was born a blue baby. And he told us that story of how the Sunspots all donated blood. Everybody gave blood for her blood disorder. And then you guys made these albums, these 45s. 
as a way to gain money for her and to pay for this this transfusion. So that was a great story. Do you have anything to, to add to that? That was pretty much what we talked about. Well, you know, it was weird because she was our first baby born on the road. You were the second baby born on the road. And uh, we bundled you guys up. We put you in the car and we took you everywhere we went. And it was awesome, you know, and everybody became parents. You had many fathers. You had many mothers. And so did Michelle. So, yeah, we had a great time. And it was a great time in our lives that we were able to take our kids to the Statue of Liberty. Of course, you don't remember any of it, but there are pictures to, to show that you, you got to travel. You went to Puerto Rico. You went to the Bahamas. You went to New York. You know, we saw everything with you guys. So I think it made you round, rounded, well-rounded travel so much. I did remember I saw, you know, some pictures and the 11 millimeter, um, like film you guys used to have, like those, those reel to reel. And I remember that. And when Michelle had her transfusion, she was, was she like immediately okay? Did she suffer after that or in pain or was she like healed and everything was fine? It was a tough situation because we were in Kentucky when her mom needed to go wherever we were going to go to have that baby. So we had to put her on a plane. Our next job was in Tampa. So we sent her ahead. We put her on a plane, sent her to Tampa. Some friends picked her up, took her to the doctor, and then took her to the hospital. So by the time we got there, the, she, Michelle was already born. She was known as an RH factor baby. And that means her dad had a type, one type of blood and her mom had one type, different type of blood. And they mixed in this child. So they had to drain all her blood, give her all brand new blood, because she had a mixture of both negative and positive, and that's not good. Sounds very rare. I mean, I've never really heard of anyone that's ever had that. I had never heard of it before. I just remember going to the hospital, and we see this poor little baby with all these needles, and, you know, but it, yeah, once they did that, she was fine. She was fine, and we brought her home, and everybody loved her, and babied her, and spoiled her, and yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Like I said, she was our first baby born on the road. Such a cool story. So if you're listening, Michelle, that's part two of the Michelle story. So we'll jump off that because now we have both you guys have given us details about the Michelle story. So what was one of the fondest memories you had of like being on the road with the Sunspots? Where were you? What roughly what year it was? And that you were just having like a ball, like time of your life with this, this Filipino band and you were the singer and... Like, can you think back on a moment like that that jumps in your head? God, there are so many moments like that. Many. You know, I think one of the big things for me was going back to Hawaii with this group where I had so much family, you know, who only remembers me as a little girl. And I came back home as a singer. We were working at the Ilikai. And yeah, I was in my element. This was home. And when we opened, I looked out and all my family was there. My dad, my stepmom, my grandmother, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience to look out there and see your family coming to see you perform. You know, I was local. I was a local girl. What year was this roughly? This was, um, gosh, probably 1967, I want to say. Or the first time we went to New York. We worked in New York. We worked for Barbara Walters' dad. Barbara Walters? 
Baba Walters. Yes, her dad's name was Lou Walters. And he was the producer, director. It was his show. It was called Oriental Fantasy. And we were the headliners. You know, they had showgirls and, yeah, just the whole bit. And I would always come in after the guys sang a couple of songs. I would start my song off stage and then come on. And somebody came backstage and said, "Um, Oh, Sandra, by the way, Sammy Davis Jr. is right there in front. And I instantly got nervous because I was singing one of his songs. And I remember going out singing and never looking at him. I thought, if I look at you, I'm going to forget the words. So I sang the song. It it went over great. After the show in my dressing room, there's a knock at the door. I open the door, and who's standing there? Sammy Davis Jr., Hey, babe. Hey, baby. Hey, this is Cuckoo, baby. He was awesome, though. He was, you know, he came, he told me he enjoyed the show, he loved the song, blah, 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 and he was just a regular guy. You know, he told me about a book he had written. It was called Yes, I Can. I remember getting the book from him and reading it and just fascinated with how he started in the business. He had a rough start. You know, he was an amazing, to me, he was an amazing person. And then there was the night Bob Hope showed up and came on stage. And somebody, they used to say things like, oh, our little sister from Guam. And I remember Bob Hope say, Guam, but not forgotten. Okay. (laughs) And he was great. He came on stage and performed with us. I have pictures of him on stage with us. Yeah, I was in awe. Or when we were invited to Hugh Hefner's party in Chicago. Bunny Ranch? No, it wasn't the Bunny Ranch. It was his Chicago mansion. He invited all the entertainers in town. And he, we were entertainers in town. And we went to his party. It started at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it was awesome. I mean, he, the, the place was at the mansion was amazing. He had great food, great music, great people. Everybody was there. It was, it was very nice. Hugh Hefner's party pad in Chicago in the 60s. Oh, boy. Google that, kids. (laughs) Well, hey, Mom, thanks. That was some great stories. I was looking for one. You gave me more than that. I appreciate it. And I would like to get more of those stories in the very near future. But there you go, children, kids, and world. That's my mother, one of the founding members of the Sunspots. And that's our Sunspots Minute. So thank you very much for listening to that. Hope you enjoyed it. Well, that was fun. Love you, Mom. Hi, Mom. So next up is some comic book movie news. They are making an animated feature of the comic book Chew from Image Comics. I can't wait to see this. They haven't released a date on it yet, but they just signed up David Tennant as the voice of Mason Savoy, who's the main bad guy. He's like this giant Hulk-looking dude with Sean Connery's face, and he wears a monocle, and... It's an insane world. This series is going to be nuts. I can't wait to see how they pull this off. It's where the chickens in the world create this massive avian bird flu, kills millions of people, and out of the ashes comes basically mutants that have the ability to use food in weird ways. The main character, Tony Chu, is going to be played by Glenn from The Walking Dead. That's going to be awesome. He has the ability, once he chomps on you, once he chews you, licks your blood, whatever, uh, in murder scenes, he can have these psychic visions that help him solve the crimes and go after the people that committed these crimes. And it's nuts because he can only eat beets for some reason. He, he's all about the beets because it 
doesn't tell him the entire history and story of where the food came from, which drives him crazy. He sees cows and chickens and everything slaughtered, so he can't eat food anymore. He just has to eat beets. But it's just a crazy story. There's aliens involved. There's over-the-top graphic violence. I think it, it, it would have to be rated R, I think, because there's a lot of gore and action and craziness that ensues. A lot of character building. It's just a lot of fun. They're on issue number 50 in the comic book, which every single one of them I look forward to every month. They delivered on time. It's the exact same team. The art is wacky. So looking so forward to that. Can't wait for a Chew animated feature. So now we got Doctor Who in there. And that that character, that Mason Savoy, that he's playing, is, was actually meant for Robin Williams, which would have been nuts, which would have been so cool. Miss Robin Williams. So that's just the only comic book story news we have. Next up, let's click open the vault on artificial intelligence. Let's click it. Boom. Click. AI. Well, only one short story this week about artificial intelligence. I just thought it was interesting. This is from Business Insider. The headline reads, Twitter is joining Google and Facebook in the artificial intelligence arms race. So now, there you go. The main key of this interview states right here that on Wednesday... Twitter announced that it has acquired WetLab, a startup that's focused on machine learning technology. So there you go. How will they figure out a way for our tweets to kill us? I, th- I think that's what that's what they're going to be doing, right? Is we, we tweet something, they don't like it, and then we explode because, you know, the artificial intelligence there is deemed us not worthy or something. Where's the... On robots, they need to have... I hope that they at least build, like, kill switches or a place where you can like kick the robot in the nuts or something just some sort of off button or self-destruct they, they, they have to just do that scientists okay put that on the robots at the very least or somewhere we can like robot robotically like poke them in the eye and then they fall down just just things like that to just quickly disable them and knock them out but anyway there you go twitter google facebook all in the ai arms race so that's the only little story we have in the world of AI. Let me take a seat in the anchor chair, turn on the teleprompter, and discuss comic book news headlines. Coming up in five, four, three. So there's four quick stories. The first one's from Newsarama, titled Tired of Waiting for the Trade? Custom Comic Book Binding lets you make your own. So this is cool. This is like a Nebraska company called Hoochin Bindery Limited. And they'll take your floppies, add some hot glue to like a hardbound book cover, and boom, you've got yourself, you know, a, a, you can make a humongous bookshelf with your own hardbound collections. Kind of crazy. I, I don't know if I would necessarily do that to my floppies, but it's kind of cool. Like, you could get, you can make them as small as you want, as big as you want. The pricing isn't ridiculous. It's scary. I don't know if I have to ship my comics out. Where will they go? I don't know. They need some West Coast locations, if you know what I mean. The prices like start as low as $22. So you grab a bunch of your floppies, they glue them into a hardbound book, and boom. I wonder if they do something with taking the ads out, or it's just literally just gluing your hardbounds. You can design and make the hardbound covers, but great concept. Help with all that the lack of space you know that that most people have when it comes to collecting comic books over the years so very cool nice uh company nebraska hoochin bindery limited h-o-u-c-h-e-n i don't know if i'm saying that right but very very cool i hope that 
expands. Hope that gets more popular. I hope they open multiple locations because I don't know about shipping them out to make hardbounds. That's just a little crazy, but very, very cool. Next up, there is a, this is from the Herald Dispatch, Huntington, West Virginia, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. They are having a humongous art exhibit and they're going to be featuring comic book art. I thought this was cool. It's coming up Tuesday, July 28th. There's going to be speakers. There's going to be comic book industry folks, but they're just having this humongous art gallery. Check it out if you're in that area, Huntington, West Virginia. That's from the HeraldDispatch.com. Very cool that there's you know museums, there's exhibits. I wish they had more of that here in LA. There's some every now and then, but not often. So doing it, Huntington, West Virginia. Very cool. Next up, from this is from a site that they call the Times. It's the Times Pecan, Greater New Orleans. Pecan, or Pecune, however you say it. And they're also doing an art exhibit. It says comic books and fine art etchings at the LSU libraries featuring illustrations. They've got Golden Age stuff in these gigantic displays. So very cool if you're out there. It looks like it's coming up in September. It's going to be free, but awesome. Just highlighting a lot of Marvel from the 60s and 70s DC stuff just gonna be cool LSU so if you're in that area check it out and that's gonna wrap up the comic book news now let's go into five feel-good factoid freebie comic book stories I like that Stan Lee and the first one just made me smile and happy it's from this website called DNA info titled starting a comic book empire at the age of 10 Sasha Harmon Matthews looks like she lives in New York is writing her own comic books drawing her own comic books posting her own comic books on her website and selling them with a publisher she's doing it she's just making the dream come true my nine-year-old little boy inside just just smiled and maybe shed a little tear but she has her own site which I gotta plug it for rumblecomics.com she has a publisher. You can buy her first two comic books, Pompeii, Lost and Found. So she even writes like based on history. She talks in this Q&A interview on this site about how she balances, balances her homework, uh, how she got into comic books, which for her eighth birthday, birthday she got the X-Men comic number one and was just hooked. And she reads a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. So she said those are her, inf- her influences. And she draws like the the style of Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes. It's adorable. And on Rumble Comics, you can actually just click and buy them for $4.95 each. It takes you right to bookculture.com. She even has a publisher. So she's doing it. She was on this podcast recently. And she is doing it, folks. She's at 10 years old. Absolutely inspiring. Just love, love reading this story about about Sasha. So good job, Sasha. Way to go. Chase your dream. Make it happen. Sasha Harmon Matthews. So I love that story. The next story is from Bleeding Cool, and it's titled Marvel Launches Popsicle Comics. Popsicle Comics. Wow. Marvel's thought of everything. This actually has the original brand, Popsicle. They're making their own sort of superheroes based on Marvel characters, but not directly called you know, with the names and not the actual characters, making new characters. And so pretty crazy. They thought of everything, right? Even popsicles. And they show the boxes, their, their, you know, original comics, which is a twist. You, you know, you could just put out some Captain America flavored 
No, that sounds wrong. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so if you want to suck on your su- favorite superhero, no, no, no. I, I don't know how they're going to market this. Strange, right? But uh, there you go. Marvel jumping into the popsicle realm so you can put your favorite superhero characters' flavors in your mouth. Uh, no, this all sounds wrong. No, no. I don't know what you're doing, Marvel. Just stick with comic books, maybe? <laughs> Anyway, next up from the Washington Post, Supreme Court lets its nerd flag fly with comic book references in Spider-Man toy decision. So it was this guy that created this glove you put on that shoots web-like foam. He jumped on and got the patent for it, and Marvel said, hey, your 20 years has expired, so the patent's up, and now it's ours. They ultimately did side for Marvel. And this guy lost his patent to this Spider-Man web glove that you put a canister of this web foamy material. So it's gone back to Marvel, ultimately. But the cool part about it was that the judge was a Spider-Man fan. And she wrote into her decision, which it's you know says here, Kimball versus Marvel Entertainment. Into her decision, it says, What we can decide, we can undecide. But stare decisis, whichever that means, teaches that we should exercise that authority sparingly. C.F., S. Lee, and S. Ditko, Amazing Fantasy number 15, Spider-Man, references it. Page 13, 1962, in this world, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. So she wrote it into, there's a Supreme Court judge that wrote in a passage, a reference, a page from Spider-Man, Amazing Fantasy number 15, into her judgment of this court case. So I thought that was just way cool. And next up is from the Express Tribune with the International New York Times. Headline reads, Comic books for juvenile inmates hope to teach culture. Karachi. Every month, young inmates at Karachi's juvenile jail will be treated to free comic books and entertaining storytelling sessions. So why not? I mean, these guys are young, impressionable youth. Let's get the imagination flowing. Let's give them some heroic, hopeful stories. Give them a, a taste of of life maybe they have just never seen, an art form they've never experienced. Why not? Hopefully it'll just put some good thoughts into their brains and get back out there into the world and try to just be regular adults. So, fantastic. Good job, Karachi Prison, Juvenile Jail. Keep giving those free comic books out. And the last feel-good factoid freebie is from TrivLive.com, and it talks about how they're creating e-comics that you'll be able to read on your device. This is a library um, that wants to scan actual paper comics that they've purchased or had from donations and allow people that have library cards to read e-comics on whatever devices they have. And they will expire. They have to check them out, just like you will every other book. And I think it's another good option because I've seen some of these comic books at libraries and they're usually in pretty bad shape, pages missing, torn, shredded. This will at least be in better condition. They can read them digitally on whatever device they have. This is where it's all going. Kids in the future aren't going to be looking at paper. We know that. They're going to be looking at screens. So we might as well embrace it. I hope all the libraries take this on 
I don't think it's going to affect sales in the realm of paper comics per se because they are buying them, they are getting them from donation. So I think this is a great embracing of the technology that is going to happen in the near future. So I hope it comes to more libraries. I hope they all do it. It'll just be an easier way to access those lovely comic books. And next up, uh, whoa, what, what is that? Is that, is that the music that's being played when my spider sense is tingling? I think so. It's totally tingling and telling me there's two stories that will continue to make my spider sense tingle for the next minute and a half. So here you go. The first story from Live Science. It's titled Iron Man Laser. Beams can shape electrical discharges. So they go into saying in some real heavy techno jargon here that they can have lasers that can sort of change directions, that can create unique patterns that can bend saying that they could put devices on people's hands and shoot lasers from their arms for military purposes so yeah it's exactly what uh you're thinking that it's pretty cool that eventually yes iron man will probably be walking around a dude with you know a cool looking goatee will step out of it and his name would be Tony, and but I thought, cool, this this is a, a whole science division here spending money on trying to weaponize. Looks like it's Quebec. Yeah, actually, the research center in Quebec, Canada, that they're spending some money trying to weaponize lasers. They're not the only one that's spending some money on that, so Spider-Sense was going nuts on that one. And the second and last was just cool. It's from Slate.com. Never tell them the odds is the title. Star Wars style hover bikes catch the eye of the Department of Defense. So in an interview with routers, Malloy Aeronautics researchers said that they, they believe their hover bike has excellent potential for search and rescue, cargo delivery, and even surveillance. The U.S. Department of Defense apparently agrees. <laughs> and it's cool. It's like four helicopter blades with you know medium sized blades with a with a guy hanging on to it hover looking style like a like a speeder from Star Wars so very cool that we'll probably see people on some sort of hover vehicles eventually that look like kind of like Star Wars hover bikes very very cool i like it and i hope that you liked those two stories that made my spider sense a tingle a tingling and quickly before we start the top five new comic books for June 24th, just wanted to give a short, quick memoriam to James Horner, who lost his life in a plane crash on June 22nd. He was a musician, orchestrator, soundtrack designer. He created music, beautiful music, for so many movies we loved. He's a Los Angeles native. He was a USC grad. He not only orchestrated and made the music for the, the two highest money-making movies of all time, Titanic and Avatar, the list of movies from Star Trek II, An American Tale, The Land Before Time, The Rocketeer, An American Tale, Five Goes West, I love those animated series, Casper, Jumanji, Mighty Joe Young, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and in 2012, The Amazing Spider-Man. He made beautiful music. We love your body of work, James Horner. Thank you for everything that you've done. Alright, so let's get into the top five comic book picks from June 24th. It was an awesome week. It was tough picking these five. But these, after much deliberation, just jumped right out as something special. And you know what? I gotta give a shout out to Walking Dead. 
143. It almost made the cut, almost made the top five, because it's exciting to see where the arc is going with this. It, it's at the brink, it's at the verge, it's at the edge of some real madness ensuing. There's this other group of people that wear zombie skin on their bodies, called the Whisperers. And this is going to get crazy, it's going to get nuts, it's right at the edge, the precipice of just insanity ensuing, so it almost made the cut. Walking Dead, Image Comics 143. But anyway, coming in at number five is from Image Comics, Rasputin, from Grecian, Rosmo, Placencia, Maurer. And this is gorgeous. The art alone was so solid. It's this story of Rasputin, the wives' tale, the the history of, uh, is this guy real? Is he not real? There's all these stories. Is the guy that was hung, shot, tattooed, destroyed, blew up, and he's still alive. And they sort of say he's um, sort of a sorcerer, a magician that is a real person. And so this just has where he pops around throughout time. There's like a Hillary Clinton uh, lady kind of running for president here, and she's assassinated, and he brings her back to life. So he has like these powers where he can bring people back to life. And interesting that he picked and this guy drew what looks like Hillary Clinton and then it goes back into uh, I don't know when this is it's some war in this Russian country and and Rasputin is actually taken out but he has his own come back to life powers and and then they flash again forward to modern day and all the, oh, the art is fantastic here and his house looks like something like Doctor Strange's house with all these weird artifacts all over and so it's it's we're into number six it it would have made high, a higher pick, honestly, if there would have just been more meat to this story, but it was more of just sort of what he's been involved in throughout the years. That's number five. And number four by Image Comics, Spread by Justin Jordan, Philip Sobrero, Kyle Stram. And Spread is like this, I don't really know if it's Earth, but there is very few people on this planet, and they're running from this strange disease that some are just completely immune for uh, from... And this is the introduction of some new characters. It's kind of a new arc because it's spread issue number eight. And it shows these children following this leader of how they attack people in this forest. But it's a tightly knit little family. They're like these little crazy assassins, sword-wielding children. And this this person they follow is a father-like figure to them. And they even have a chant, because we are family. And they'll just go into the forest and take people out. I don't know what they do with them. And then we, after that introduction, we get back to our main character, who his name is just No, because really that's all he says is the word No, and he's protecting this little baby named Hope, and her tears kill the virus. So they're trying to figure out what to do with her. He's got a small little ragtag group, he's really badly injured in this, and they're trying to just protect him, and of course this, the ragtag group of kid assassins are making their life miserable. So, action-packed, beautiful blues and reds, and the virus that comes around is like this floating giant red brain. And it's just twisted and and fantastic. So that's the number four. Number three from Dark Horse Comics, Fight Club 2, issue number two. The cover is twisted. It's got this barn in the back and an eye peering through it. And... The couple, our main characters, beaten and bruised, standing there. His name tag says Sebastian. No, crossed out. Tyler. 
because that's what he calls himself. And the intro was interesting. Right from the left-hand side of the first page, their recap, their previously on, their what you missed prior is in the form of a instructions on an airline. <laughs> so it's totally different. It looks like if without reading any words, the you know, the instructions in case of an emergency on an airplane, but it actually bubbles out and shows by instructions one through six what happened in the previous issue. I thought that was unique in itself. And the art here is just gorgeous. They use a lot of panels in this. The second page is nine panels. So lots and lots of panels, very little dialogue, really moving the story along. So our main character, Sebastian, who occasionally turns into Tyler Durden, they have a, he has a son with Marla, and at this point their house is destroyed. Looks like arson. Of course, it's Tyler. And they're trying to put this back together, and Sebastian doesn't want to be Tyler. And what happened to their son? Is he dead? No, it, it was... It's not what you think, but it's not their son. Just this twisted little story. The art is solid. The violence is graphic and fast. And the pace is great. And just filled with multitudes of panels in this. Each page has 9, 12, 13 panels in all shapes and sizes. So great use of space and storytelling with very little dialogue and just a lot of art. And the number two from Image Comics. It's The Legacy of Luther Strode, number two. Justin Jordan, Trad Moore, which Trad Moore's art is, he's probably my favorite artist right now. His, his art is amazing. He's one of those geniuses that are super detailed, super intricate lines, and, and you have to actually look at the panel for a while to see everything that's going on with it because he's so detailed. He does the best action in the business. This story is the one that he, the our main character saw this advertisement from uh, in a comic book sent away for this almanac that once he read it he turned into the incredible hulk basically his body just put muscle upon muscle upon muscle upon muscle and there's a few of those kinds of folks out there that have had the al- almanac and this happened to them and he got into a fight and a bunch of people were all killed and now he's kind of on the run and they're on the run for another person like him and the artwork they have in the snow here in this winter, because they're searching for this Russian guy that's like that has very superhero-like powers like him, is just gorgeous. And this, they finally find this Russian hulking, massive superhero. They just fight, and the guy just speaks Russian to him the whole time. They don't even translate it in this comic. And that's as far as I'll go with the comic, but... Oh, gosh. It, the, the art is gorgeous. The violence is Tarantino-esque, over-the-top. Lots of blood, graphic, gruesome, hearts being pulled out of places. It's it's nuts. A lot of red. And then in the back panel, the writer, Justin Jordan, he makes a good point about the current situation of indie comics, about creator-owned published comics, in which he says, basically... He could have translated all the all the dialogue from from this bad guy, but he's all. But why bother? I, we can do whatever we want at Image. They give us the freedom to create and and do our own thing. And I thought nice that he highlighted that that the freedom they get from Image and it's putting together just wonderful, beautiful comics. So fantastic. And the number one pick of the week is by Vertigo DC Comics, Suiciders number five. And 
This has that right mixture of beautiful art and crazy story. It's Los Angeles way in the future in this gladiator-like world where the number one gladiator is the most famous person and his story is twisted and there, there's these journalists trying to break open the story of how horrible that guy is because everyone sees him as this massive hero and in the background in the, the slums, the small gladiator pits if you will, there's this guy that comes forward and he built like the Hulk wearing these giant like boxing gloves, robotic uh, uh, enhanced boxing gloves as working his way up in the ranks he seems to be the guy that's going to put down this uh, the you know the the big league gladiator and he's has this uh, moment it's kind of a sweet moment with this woman that he meets in a bar and he's just trying to do the right thing and he doesn't like uh, a lot of these gladiator arenas they'll kill their opponents he doesn't he just kind of knocks them out which is the fans don't like that. They want more blood, and he just kind of punches them out, and he, and he knocks them out. But there's a lot more going on here. There's a faction that is uh, corrupt that's trying to control our main sort of good guy, if you will. And it is just action-packed, and it's twisted, and has just some some real layers here of just a lot going on. And the art, uh, there's a couple of pages right in the middle, zero dialogue, and... The shading on it is gorgeous. The detail on the hair and the musculature and, and the tattoos that they have. It's just so much detail, so much going on. You have to look at it over and over again. It was almost a tie for one and two with Luther Strode, but I had to make a decision, and that ended up being my number one pick from Vertigo Comics, Suiciders. Check it out. It's only on number five. Worth the money. Well, anyway, that's going to wrap up the show. I hope you had a good time on issue number eight here. And please check out sunspotscomics.com and you get a chance there's going to be some good new stuff coming up soon and please follow us at sunspotscomics on instagram and twitter and soon soon to come will be a facebook page for sunspotscomics i'm in the works there trying to get that going and thank you very much for tuning in i hope you had a good time hope it inspires you to go buy some comics so thank you so much for tuning in and don't forget Storm in the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. <laughs>